Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for showing us the maturity with which you are guiding us when it comes to our emotions, our feelings, and our faith, our experiencing, matching our truth. We thank you once again for Pastor Borgman, his book, and the work it's doing many years later in this congregation. We ask that you bless us with today's lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Chapter 6, A Sound Theology of Christian Experience. Let's encapsulate it. Talking about experiences you have as a Christian. I guess he calls it Christian experience, but as opposed to cultural experience. Your Christian experiences and how to evaluate them based upon your sound theology. Okay, so some examples. Here are some of the many Christian experiences in my life that I believe that he's pointing to. Christian experiences that I've had since the day I was saved. And these are just the major ones. Promise keepers. Harvest crusades in Southern California led by Greg Laurie. Christian concerts. I've been to... Uh, Crystal Lewis concerts at her home church, The Vineyard, out in Southern California. Uh, other churches' services. Charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches that I've visited, or been in the situation to visit. Uh, small groups that we've been to, Bible study groups, prayer groups. Mission trips. Anybody here been on short-term mission trips? I have. I've been on many short-term mission trips with previous churches. We're talking about here is how do I evaluate the feelings that those experiences bring? Borgman says, coming to grips with our death to sin and the continued struggle to put sin to death can keep us sane and hopeful. The first principle of sound Christian experience is that truth precedes, governs, and instructs experience, not vice versa. Truth first, experience second. John 8.32 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, it'll set not just the unsaved free, it'll, save, it'll set you free from improperly emoted or displayed emotions from experiences, and I'll get to 
specific experiences in my Christian life here shortly. The truth rightly embraced and believed will give you an experience. So what are the vital ingredients to sound Christian experience? What does biblically healthy Christian experience look like? In, in short, what happens when my experience doesn't match what I believe? Early in my Christian walk, I was on a business trip to a city, Detroit. I was based out of Southern California. I may have been a Christian for half a dozen years or less, I think. I was doing some consulting work with our Detroit office, and during that week I was in Detroit, and I had interaction with the district manager, and been in his office many times discussing some of my findings, and his office was filled with Christian plaques, artwork, mottos, much like if you walk into my house, our house. And so we started having conversations about Christ. And I felt a kinship with this gentleman. And he and his wife invited me to dinner, and then they wanted to take me to hear this guy. You've got to hear this guy preach, going to see a preacher. He's in some arena or some, some gathering place in downtown Detroit. And I said, I'd love to go, because I had fellowship with this man, and his wife were wonderful. We had a great dinner. And he says, you got to come and see this guy speak. You love it. It's a great experience. In short, it was a gentleman who spoke and delved into tongues on and off. He was called Prophet Something. And he was talking about the fact that God had some words to speak to Detroit. And here are the words. And then he'd say, God says that these things are going to happen. And there were, you know, uh, prophecies about what was going to happen, how God was going to cause a revival to come to Detroit. And people were ecstatic and people were raising their hands and hallelujah. It was, it was wonderful. I mean, it's really emotional. But man, did I feel out of place. I'm like, the gentleman and his wife were looking down and smiling at me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because even six years or five years as a Christian in a really good, sound, Bible-believing, non-denominational church in Southern California, something just didn't sit right with what I already knew to be true about the Word, it's simply the fact that this guy wasn't supposed to interpret for himself, was he? And how did I know he got really said that? Anyway, so uh, I, it didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel right to me. Why didn't it feel right to me? What happens when my experience does not match what I believe? Well, first of all, let's just say praise the Lord that he has given me the gift of Bible teaching in faithful churches and pastors and leaders for the 30-some years of my existence. That didn't have to be true. 
Your biblical expectations have to be grounded in truth or you will be emotionally unbalanced. And the balance we're talking about here is the tension between the now and the not yet. What are your expectations for your Christian life as you live it now? And what are your expectations for your Christian life in the world to come? And are you mixing any of those? And is that causing your expectations to drive emotions in an unbiblical or unbalanced display? So you will be confused as to what is promised now and what is yet to come. The good that Romans 8.28 promises you is ultimately the good that you're going to heaven. The good meant for you is that you will eventually be perfected unto heaven. Not that everything you see has an immediate, cultural, present, worldly good. Like something bad just happened to me, so something's good got to happen. I can see the immediate good God intended for me when something bad happens to me. Yeah, that good is going to be up there. That's ultimately what Romans 8.28 is saying. Any view that is unbalanced can cause some serious emotional difficulties. Christian expectations of spiritual attainments in the present that are only going to occur in the age to come can create disillusionment with God. When improper or no expectations are modeled, wide margins exist for carnal Christianity to pop up. Your best life now? Oh, okay. So I'm living what I expected. I don't feel like it's my best life now. I gotta grab a few things and put them in my garage, my closet, my bed, my arm, because that would be my best life now, because I'm saved. But it's not conforming to what I expect to be happening now, you see, because they're confusing the now with the not yet. A, I'm sorry, a biblical view of Christian experience must have a realistic perspective on what theologians call the already and the not yet. What is being accomplished by the Lord in your life? What will be accomplished by the Lord in your life? This is what keeps us balanced, not being tossed about emotionally. Understanding the tension and sanctification between the already and the not yet is so important Every Christian must hold onto the reality of what's called definitive sanctification. There has been a definite break with the old life. There is now a radical new relationship with sin, an ongoing battle between the flesh and the spirit. And in this chapter, Borgman does recommend some books on this issue and I'm going to go ahead because the books are very good to read to you those who are struggling with a balance of what is what your expectations are for now and for the not yet and that comes a lot from being I think an, uh, an earlier convert in life believe me as I got saved when I was in my 30s um, I have sometimes less confusion about what's to come because I already know how he saved me now. I'm just ecstatic with the now. I'm not too worried about the not yet. But if I were a, a younger convert and struggled with the balance between what is the, what am I expecting now in this life as Christian experiences go and what is the not yet, 
because I do not have that life experiential memory to guide me as well or to submit to the thoughts of Christ. These books, John Owen's Sin and Temptation, J.C. Ryle's Holiness, and Jerry Bridges' The Pursuit of Holiness. Those are the books he recommends if you're having a balance issue. We get to a section in the chapter 6 called When Sorrows Like Sea Billows Roll. As Christians, we must also know there is no exemption from suffering in this life. Suffering is not an indication of a lack of faith, and pain is not the direct result of our sins and failures. Yeah, I know you've heard it. You probably have no problem believing that. But let me tell you, a previous church, a, a, a good Bible teaching church, an EV free church that I belong to, but that had nothing to do with this. No matter what you are hearing in the pews right now, and believe me, we've heard some of the best, I've heard some of the best messages from Scripture that I've heard in my entire Christian life, and still we'll talk with each other and say, Was that meant for me? Was that meant for them? Oh, that really applies to so-and-so. Or even hear the pastor say, you know, preach this, and there are still people doing this, 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 and this. So on the corporate level in the church, the members may be struggling or a victim to all kinds of different uh, beliefs and unbalanced experiences. We had a couple in our church And I'd been on a short-term mission trip with them and their kids. It turns out that during this time, the wife had been stricken with cancer. And she and her husband were struggling with it. They were faithful. But other people in the church, in this church, sound church, well-taught church, started wanting this woman to start going with them to certain happenings, healings, and outright said that lack of faith was what was causing her not to be able to get healed from her cancer. The husband was stronger in his ideology and his doctrine, and he tried to ward these people out of their family, but there were family members that were coming alongside her and whispering in her ear about her lack of faith, about and they've known this person and that person. And this one healer's coming to town. You've got to come and go to see him with us. Well, the lady died, and she went home to her heavenly reward. <clears throat> but it really, I mean, when a family really needs to be together, that's already tearing them apart. You've got people in the church coming alongside and saying you don't have a lack of faith, and that's causing you to, lose, to die of cancer or to not have the cancer healed. Pain, suffering is not the direct result of our sins and failures. A theology that teaches only blessing, health, and prosperity are the lot of the faithful is a recipe for emotional disaster. Certainly all suffering and pain is ultimately related to sin. The notion that pain and suffering is a payback from God is unbiblical. That is the theology of Job's comforters. Christians must know there is no exemption from suffering in this life. Romans 5, 
Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 1 Peter 5. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And Philippians 1. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. That should take care of any other arguments. If we expect that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before, we will be in for some serious disappointments. And here's my little red star for my outline. And it's also the title of the chapter, A Sound Theology of Christian Experience Makes Room for the Struggle and the Suffering of the Pilgrim. Sound Theology. I'm sure when I was five years a Christian that that guy wasn't doing biblical things on that stage in Detroit. I've had similar concerns about some of these other gatherings that I've been in. I've been in homes where I've prayed with brothers and sisters if I was visiting family members and they were of a charismatic faith, let's say, and they just prayed a little differently. But the, the joy of knowing emotionally what to expect of this world as a Christian and what God is preparing for you in the next is a great relief. But yes, I've been to those concerts and those revivals, mission trips. But what if I don't feel like it, is the next section. When it comes to Christian experience, what do we do when we do not feel like doing what we're supposed to be doing, what we should be doing, right? And this is a quote from the chapter directly. Borgman writes, because I am a pastor, people often ask me, isn't it better for me to stay home if I don't feel like going to church than to go to church when my heart isn't in it? Won't that make me a hypocrite? My answer is, no, it will only make you a chain sinner lighting up one sin after another. After a puzzled look, I explain. I can see by your puzzled look, you may not know. Have you ever been a, no, no, you ever know what a chain smoker is? Okay, you're smoking cigarettes and you've been in the military. I'm so you shaking your head. Yeah. I mean, I smoked when I was younger, but I don't think I've chain smoked. But it's a matter of when chain smoking is, you've got a cigarette, you've got to have another one. So you light the next cigarette off the one you got in your mouth and you keep smoking. And then you light the next cigarette off the one in your mouth and you keep smoking. That's chain smoking. So he's saying, if you don't feel like going to church, that you'd be a hypocrite. You're just going to be putting one sin in front of the other without a break. If God commands us to do something, we don't do it, what is our normal course of action? It's the easy one. 
confession, and repentance. Why should the protocol be any different when we fail to feel the way God commands us to feel? So even if your heart does not change right away, I don't feel like going to church, do what you're supposed to do anyway with a repentant heart. God will forgive us and our hearts will change in the process. The next section is entitled, Should I Seek an Experience? Well, the one's experiences I'm talking about. Should I seek an experience? Or should I go to these places because of the experience? See, I didn't know these experiences existed when I was first saved, except the ultimate experience of being put on my knees on a hotel room in Japan with the weight lifted off my shoulder and feeling like, what's going on? Now, trying to manufacture that feeling? I never thought about that. Because then I checked into a Bible-believing church and I got brought up the right way. We did, it was, and Kay's been to this church before and it wasn't an experiential church, right? It was a cute little farm church on the prairies of Orange County, California. The next common question about the Christian experience is, should I seek an experience with God? Amen. Go to, go, go to a retreat. Go to Promise Keepers. Go to a Crystal Lewis concert. He says, once upon a time, I was an experienced junkie too. The sought-after experience was for the sake of the experience alone. Experience became anathema. He says, then I discovered the Puritans and understood that there is a priority in our seeking. We need to seek God, not the experience. We need to seek the truth and a greater knowledge of the word, not experience. Just a little sidebar on that. We're going to sing a song today. That's a newer song brought to us by the Valkas. I can't get through it without tearing up. I just cannot. And by seeking that experience, do I want to sit there and tear up in front of a congregation? No. I can't get through this song without choking. Because there's some verses in there that go... <laughs> so you have to help me today. We need to seek the truth and a greater knowledge of the word, not experience. God may grant extraordinary spiritual experiences, but those are merely the reactions to encountering God in truth. That's what that song does to me. I sing and I'm like, Stephen, I see his face, and I'm like, <sighs> and I melt. Right? Truth must be the priority and experience will follow. In conclusion, the emotions are transformed through the truth and biblical thinking. And there are certain truths essential for our life and emotional wholeness. And we talked about those in the three subchapters in the last chapter five. The character of God, got to know the character of God. You have to believe in justification by faith alone, in Christ alone. Or else, part of what you did becomes part of your experience. 
and proper doctrine of the future glory, eschatology, I suppose. But you know where you're going, and you know where you're going. Got to be better than here. Although pizza and chips and salsa and the Super Bowl is all right, but it's not your future glory. The transformation of the emotions requires a sound theology of Christian experience. We cannot afford to misunderstand our struggle with sin or suffering. We cannot afford to live by emotional impulses. We must live by the truth. We cannot be experienced junkies. We must seek God as he is revealed in his word. Heavenly Father, ah, thank you. Just experiencing your truth right here has given us a balance and emotional security. We are excited for what we are supposed to be excited about. And we are asking you to give us that balance between unreasonable expectations about what you have promised in this world and what you have saved for us in the next. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you.